Good morning, clerks. Welcome back to another episode of The Clerk Commute. Hi, everyone. I'm Lauren, and welcome back to another episode of The Clerk Commute. Today, we are going to be talking through breast lumps with a focus on malignancy. Today's episode was edited by staff general surgeon and breast surgical oncologist at St. Michael's Hospital, Dr. Jory Simpson. As usual, we will go through a case, but first I'll have my co-host, Brendan, run through some important anatomy to know. Thanks, Lauren. All right, let's get started. So first, the breast tissue lies on top of the muscles of the chest wall. The functional breast tissue is made up of lobules, which drain into ducts, which feed into the nipple. This is important because breast lumps can originate in the lobular tissues or the ductal tissues. It is also important to understand the lymphatic drainage of the breast tissue. Most of the lymphatic drainage, around 75 to 90% of the breast, is to the ipsilateral axillary nodes. Some lymph from deep breast tissues may collect into deep lymphatic vessels that drain into the ipsilateral internal mammary nodes. There may also be sporadic drainage to the subscapular, subclavicular, supraclavicular, or contralateral internal mammary nodes. Awesome. Thanks, Brendan. Okay, so our case today will start out with Miss W, a 45-year-old female who presents to our family doctor wondering about breast cancer screening. Before we go on to address Miss W and whether she needs to be screened, I want to quickly discuss the value in breast cancer screening. The goal with screening is to find something that is concerning through imaging so that it can be watched or removed before it progresses to something more problematic that can be harder to treat. With that benefit in mind, we also have to think about the implications of screening that can be negative. For example, it's important to consider the implications of a false positive. This can be harmful for a variety of reasons, including, but not limited to, monetary and time costs, anxiety and psychosocial stress of the potential cancer, as well as treatment costs. It's also important to consider two other factors. The incidence of breast cancer increases with age, but does plateau eventually. And as well, in much older women, there can be the possibility of finding an abnormality on screening, which may have not impact someone's life expectancy. As a clerk, you should know that the Canadian guidelines recommend screening for women ages 50 to 74 with mammography every two to three years, and that there are specific recommendations for age groups on either side of this range. For example, under the age of 40, routine screening with mammography is not indicated, and this is because the breasts are often more dense and therefore more likely to produce unreliable results or false negatives. Mammography may be indicated for individuals aged 40 to 49 based on clinical suspicion. For younger women, screening is not recommended and workup for breast cancer is dependent on history, importantly, past medical and family history and physical exam. In our patients over 74 years old, there is an increased likelihood of overdiagnosis with breast cancer screening, so the harms outweigh the benefits of screening. But it is important to have these discussions with your patients and always to treat the patient as opposed to simply following a guideline. Joint decision making is really key when it comes to screening. Okay, thanks for all all that, Brendan. That makes sense. So our patient, Mrs. W, is 45 years old, and therefore, by your reasoning, she doesn't really start breast cancer screening until five years from now. So we can just share this information with her and then send her home, right? Ideally, yes, but we still need to evaluate her history and, if indicated, perform a physical exam to see if she has any risk factors for breast cancer that could warrant further workup or early screening. 
Specifically, we want to know if she noticed any changes in her breast. We also want to make sure to ask about things that would put her at a higher risk of breast cancer. This includes a first degree relative with breast cancer or ovarian cancer, or a known genetic mutation in the patient or relative, such as BRCA1 or 2, P53, or a PTN mutation, or any previous chest radiation before the age of 30. Oh, right. I do remember learning that family history is very important to address in breast cancer and that screening for these patients is recommended to begin 10 years earlier than the age of onset of the effective relative, right? Yes, that's absolutely right. Okay, let's begin. So Miss W is a 45-year-old woman and she's wondering about breast cancer screening. How would you approach taking her history? Okay, so of course, well, after introducing myself, I'd ask her to expand on her concerns about breast cancer screening. Then I'd ask if she has any breast-related concerns. Awesome. So Miss W tells you she's wondering whether she should start breast cancer screening because she found a new lump in her left breast after following along with an online breast self-examination video. Okay, that's good to know. I guess this is a good time to talk about self-breast examinations and how to counsel patients. Currently, breast self-examinations are not recommended for patients because they have not been shown to improve early detection or mortality, but can lead to lots of other concerns such as increased anxiety and unnecessary investigations. However, women can be encouraged to be aware of any changes in the breast, such as any new lumps, which does not warrant, a, which does warrant, sorry, a more thorough workup. Because Mrs. Double used lump is new, I would be concerned and I would want to ask a breast-related HPI. I would want to know the OPQRST, including any similar lumps in the past, how long the lump has been there, changes or growth in the lump over time, if she is premenopausal, and if she is premenopausal, if there are any changes in the lump with her menses. Finally, I'd like to know where the lump is and if there are any other lumps. Great. That's an excellent way to get started, Lauren. So Miss W tells you that she noticed the lump about four to five weeks ago, and she has never noticed one before. It seems to be getting slightly bigger, but she has had a hard time telling. It does not change with her menses, and there is only one lump on her left breast. Okay, so in my head, now I'm categorizing this as a unilateral lump on the left breast. The lump does not change with her menses. If it did change with her menses, this would be called a fibrocystic breast change. Fibrocystic breast changes are typically associated with benign swellings that change due to hormonal changes during the menstrual cycle. Changes with menses make, make malignancy less likely. Okay, moving on with the rest of the history. I would I'd like to ask if she's noticed any associated symptoms. These would include breast tenderness, swelling, redness, skin changes, or nipple discharge. For nipple discharge, I would want to know if this is spontaneous, what the color of the discharge is, the frequency, and if this has ever happened before. I would also ask if she has a history of any previous benign or malignant breast lesions or breast surgeries in the past. All right, and before I reveal her history, can you tell our listeners why you asked these follow-up questions? Yeah, of course. So when I ask about tenderness, swelling, and redness in the breast, I'm trying to figure out if the, the, if the concerns in the breast are more likely an infectious cause. If she did have these symptoms, I would also want to ask about constitutional symptoms such as fevers. For skin changes, I'm asking about any nipple or skin retraction or ridged pitted skin, also known as peau d'orange. 
Poderange in the context of a tender, swollen, and red breast would make me concerned for inflammatory breast cancer, which is typically acute, aggressive, and leads to a blockage of the lymphatic drainage from the breast causing these symptoms. Inflammatory breast cancer may mimic benign causes of inflammation, such as a breast abscess, and a thorough workup is always needed if these symptoms come up. For nipple discharge, red flags are clear, serous, or bloody discharge that is spontaneous and is unilateral or uniductal. Physiologic discharge occurs bilaterally from multiple ducts and in response to stimulation. This can be normal in pregnancy, lactation, or conditions causing hyperprolactinemia, such as a pituitary or hypothalamic disease and or use of any antipsychotic medications. Finally, breast lesions can, form, can inform our suspicion of malignancy, particularly previous biopsy results, such as any atypical ductal hyperplasias or lobular carcinomas in situ. Breast surgeries are important to consider in the case of post-operative infections and can give us an idea of any previous breast cancers as well. Great. Thanks for that background, Lauren. With Miss W, she doesn't have any tenderness, redness, swelling, or skin changes in her breasts. She has no fever. She does notice a clear spontaneous discharge from her left nipple only, and she hasn't had any previous lesions or surgeries. What does this tell us and what are you going to do next? Right, so this new information makes me quite worried. The red flag includes the clear spontaneous and unilateral nipple discharge. This would be classified as pathologic nipple discharge. I would want to move forward with our risk assessment. This includes a past medical history and reproductive history that might lead to an increased risk of breast cancer in Mrs. W. As we mentioned earlier, we should also ask about family history too. So starting with past medical history, we would want to know if she has any personal history of breast cancer or any breast cancer predisposition syndromes, past breast cancers or ovarian cancers, any past chest radiation, and if she has ever been told she has a high breast density. Finally, we'd like to know if she has if she is of Ashkenazi Jewish background. All of these factors would increase our risk that the lump is cancerous. Okay, great. So Miss W explains that she had lymphoma as a child and received radiation to her chest, but otherwise everything else is negative. As you mentioned, individuals with mantle radiation are at a significantly higher risk of developing breast cancer. So it's important to keep Miss W's risk factors in mind as we continue to assess her. Okay, the next thing I would want to ask in the risk assessment of Miss W is if she's on any medications, has any known allergies, and her alcohol, smoking, and substance, substance use background. It's good practice to ask about medications, allergies, and substance use for every patient. In the context of breast cancer specifically, significant alcohol use has been associated with increased risks of breast cancer. Okay, so Miss W is currently not on any medications and has no known allergies. She did take OCP for 10 years. She drinks a glass of wine with dinner on the weekends and about two to three drinks per week overall. Birth, co birth control pills, hormonal replacement therapy, and fertility treatments also increase the risk of breast cancer. Interestingly, there is some evidence suggesting that progesterone-only contraception has a lower risk profile than combination pills, although the risk for both is relatively small. Yeah, that is interesting. Okay, so I'm gathering lots of information, but the last thing that I would like to know is a family history, specifically if anyone in her family has had any breast, ovarian, prostate, pancreatic, or breast cancer. I would be more concerned about a hereditary 
cancer syndrome if first-degree relatives were affected with these diagnoses, especially if they were diagnosed under the age of 40. I would also like to ask about any known mutations in Miss W or her relatives. All right, so Miss W tells you that her sister had ovarian cancer when she was 52 years old. To her knowledge, everyone else in her family is well and healthy, and she is not aware of any gen genetic mutations that run in her family. Okay, so at this point to summarize, there are a few things I'm worried about. First, her lump is suspicious because it is painless with clear, spontaneous unilateral nipple discharge. Further, she has some things on history that increase the risk of breast cancer, including chest radiation as a child, 10-year use of oral contraceptions, and a family history of a first-degree relative with ovarian cancer at 52 years old. Taking these into account, it would be appropriate to do a full workup for, of Ms. W for breast cancer, even though she is less than 50 years old. This is different than screening because now instead of looking to see if for any suspicious lesions without symptoms, we're now working up actual breast cancer with these findings. The next thing I would want to do is a clinical breast exam. Okay, great. Would you be okay to give us a brief overview of what the clinical breast exam entails and what you're looking for on exam? Absolutely. First, I want to remind listeners to perform this exam with supervision and to ensure that the patient consents to the exam before starting, and then finally ensure privacy and appropriate draping when conducting this exam. The first thing that we will do is start with inspection of the breast with the patient in the sitting position. You can ask the patient to raise both her arms above her head or placed on her hips. This will tighten the pectoralis muscle and make it easier to notice skin changes such as retraction. Retraction may occur when a suspicious breast lesion tethers the skin in place. Always compare the breasts to each other and assess for symmetry. The next part of the exam is palpation. With the patient still in the sitting position, you can examine the lymphatic drainage of the breast, including along the regional lymph nodes and cervical, excuse me, including along the regional lymph nodes, the cervical, supraclavicular, infraclavicular, and axillary nodes. We would be concerned about malignancy in a lymph node that is immobile, non-tender, greater than two centimeters, and it feels firm, hard, or rubbery. The last thing we will do is palpate the breast. For this, we will ask Mrs. W to lie down. Palpate one breast at a time while the other breast is draped. Systematically use the vertical strip method or the clockwise method. Remember that routine squeezing of the nipple should never be done and to palpate the axilla for um, for the axillary tail of the breast as well. We would be concerned about Mrs. W's lump if it, was if it felt irregular, firm, and mobile, or if it felt mobile but seemed to drag other tissues with it and is isolated and unilateral. Okay, so for Miss W, on inspection, we notice that some retra retraction is observed on the left breast when she raises her arms. On palpation, a lymph node all lymph nodes feel small, less than two centimeters, mobile and compressible. A roughly three centimeter irregular mass in the left breast is found in the upper lateral quadrant, about three centimeters from the nipple. With all this in mind, what should we do next? Hmm. So based on her physical, I would be concerned that this mass is malignant. The workup for a suspicious mass is dependent on age. If the patient is less than 30, the first thing that I would do is wait several menstrual cycles. If the mass goes away with several menstrual cycles, this mass is benign. If the mass does not go away, the next thing that you would do is get an ultrasound. An ultrasound shows the difference between a mass, which might be a cyst. If, this, if, if the ultrasound identifies the mass as a cyst, then you would next do a fine needle aspiration, called an FNA for short. 
If the FNA is bloody, this is concerning for cancer and a core biopsy is indicated. If the FNA, on the other hand, is pus or fluid, you either treat the infection or drain the cyst. If the cyst resolves, it was benign and you do not need any further workup. Now for Ms. W, I'm going to do the workup for if your patient is over 30. So if your patient is over 30 or the FNA of a less than 30 year old was bloody or the ultrasound shows a mass, then you must do a mammography and a core biopsy. For Ms. W, we would do a core biopsy of her mass. Okay, great, Lauren. That was a really good summary. Let's say in our case, appropriate imaging and diagnostic biopsy were done and the imaging and diagnostic biopsy revealed a 3.5 centimeter HER2 positive invasive ductal carcinoma with no lymph node involvement. What do we do next? Oh, wow. Okay, so for our listeners, invasive ductal carcinoma is the most common type of invasive breast cancer. This originates from the milk, ducts, and spreads to surrounding breast tissue. Ductal, ductal carcinoma in situ precedes an invasive cancer and is localized only to the milk ducts and has not invaded the basement membrane. An important thing to consider in the management of breast cancer is to assess the hormone receptor status. You'll often hear breast cancers described as HER2 positive, ERPR negative, or for example, triple negative. This refers to whether hormone receptors were identified on the biopsy of the tissue. Okay, great. Why don't you give our listeners a brief overview of treatments and what you would recommend for Ms. W? Great. There's a lot to cover with the treatment of breast cancer, so for now, let's focus on early-stage breast cancer. Early-stage breast cancer can be treated with surgery alone, surgery and radiation, or surgery and hormone therapy. For the most part, any tumor positive with hormone receptors would benefit from HER2-directed or endocrine therapy. Surgical options for early breast cancer include lumpectomy, meaning the removal of a single lump of tissue, or a mastectomy, meaning the removal of the entire breast. In early breast cancer, lumpectomy with radiation is proven to be non-inferior to mastectomy. Therefore, there is no survival benefit to opting for the more invasive mastectomy surgery, which has a, long, a long, greater risk of complications and a longer recovery time. For patients with more advanced breast cancer, neoadjuvant therapy such as radiation or chemotherapy may be offered before surgery. Neo in neoadjuvant means before surgery. Adjuvant therapy means treatment after surgery. Also, for more advanced breast cancer, you may need to remove one or more lymph nodes. You might hear the term on your breast rotation about a sentinel lymph node biopsy. This is a procedure during the operation where they inject dye to determine the sentinel, meaning the first draining lymph node. They then remove this lymph node and biopsy this for cancer. If this node comes back positive in breast cancer as, cancer, um, as being cancerous, they will likely go back, complete further surgery to, to complete a completion lymph node dissection. If the node is negative, on the other hand, it is likely that the cancer has not spread to the lymph system. Thank you for all those details. Now let's fast forward a year in time and we find that Ms. W's treatment was successful. As a cancer survivor, post-treatment surveillance is highly recommended with annual mammograms and follow-ups. Whole body imaging is not recommended in asymptomatic cancer survivors. Also, you may want to counsel breast cancer patients on genetic testing. 
Patients who carry a breast cancer predisposition mutation may be at higher risk of recurrence and can, inf can inform the surveillance of relatives. However, this should be balanced with increased anxiety related to positive genetic mutations. Yes, that is a great point. It is entirely up to the patient if they want to know their genetic um, status. Okay, this was a big case with many important points. Why don't we summarize the case for our listeners? Perfect. So Miss W is a 45-year-old female presenting with a lump in her left breast. On history, the lump is painless with clear, spontaneous, and unilateral nipple discharge. She also had chest radiation as a child and a 10-year use of oral contraceptives. As well, her sister was diagnosed with ovarian cancer at 52 years of age. On physical exam, we noticed skin retraction is observed in the left breast with roughly a three centimeter irregular mass in the left breast palpable in the upper lateral quadrant, about three centimeters from the nipple. Imaging and diagnostic biopsy revealed a 3.5 centimeter HER2 positive invasive ductal carcinoma with no lymph node involvement. Miss W underwent neoadjuvant chemotherapy and HER2 directed therapy, mastectomy of the left breast and adjuvant HER2-directed therapy. A year later, Ms. W is in remission and undergoing annual mammogram surveillance. Great. Thanks so much for that summary, Brendan. Alrighty, that's all for today. Thank you so much for our listeners and good luck on your breast cancer rotations. Bye.